So let's go live. What is up, everybody? And I'm so excited. I forgot to put my sunglasses on. It is Data on Kubernetes live stream number 134. Yes, we're getting closer and closer to 135. That's exciting, which will actually be tomorrow. But today we got live stream 134. Extra excited about this one because we are here to make history. It is not every day in the Data on Kubernetes community that we are talking to folks with the ambition, with the goal, with the drive to get an open source project into the CNCF as a sandbox project. I love the ambition. I love the energy and passion behind this. We got a little sneak peek, a little preview at KubeCon about this particular project from the two wonderful folks that we have with us today. They are named Leonardo, and I'm not gonna destroy your surname. I will be kind and generous in that sense. And Gabriele, very nice to have both of you with us. Two wonderful humans from EDB, absolutely rocking on all things open source Postgres on Kubernetes. Gabriele, we already do know you. We haven't had a chance yet, though, to have Leonardo with us on a live stream. Leonardo, anything that you would like to add as an introduction? Hi. Uh, a few words. I'm a programmer. I love programming. I love data. And this is great, by the way. And data on Kubernetes is even great. So, yeah, perfect. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Good. And Leonardo, where are you joining us from? I believe you are in Italy, correct? Yeah, exactly. Italy, Prato. Okay, okay. So, oh, man. Oh, wow. This is <laughs> the, power, the power of Prato. To, uh, how do you say as someone from Prato? How do you say a person who's from Prato? How do you say that? Pratese. Prate okay. Oh, yeah, of course. Like Calabrese. That's right. Okay, cool. So, uh, <laughs> but other parts, different parts of the country, I know we have to be careful north and south. But we are right. Tuscany from Tuscany. It's a yeah. beautiful area. Right. Folks, if you have not been to Tuscany, it's not hype. This place is gorgeous. It is amazing. And I was asking Gabriele about when they're going to do a meetup so that I can have an excuse to go there. Uh, anyway, great place. Also known for blues music, blues festival. It's close by. So you can check yeah, that out. Yeah, close by. Yeah, close by. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that being said, if you've got questions, as usual, folks, drop them in the YouTube chat. We'll be happy to answer them accordingly. Also, just massive shout out to both of these gentlemen for being amazing data on Kubernetes community members. If you have questions, if you're curious about something, if you want more information, reach out and talk to them on Slack and they'll be happy to answer. You'll get a timely response. Um, so keep that in mind. That being said, I will let you take it away and I will enjoy from behind the scenes. Go for it. Thanks, Bart. And yeah, hi everyone. So I'm, let me share my screen. Yep, looking good. Can we see the yes. full screen? Okay, yes. good. Perfect. So, uh, so that's you know myself and the only do we both. You know, uh, I will, you know, we both work, we work for EDB. Uh, you know, I, I, just a quick reminder that, I've, you know, I've been using Postgres for many, many years, more than 20 probably. And I'm now um, e e vice president of cloud native uh, at EDB. And we had, I mean, I was lucky enough to be one of the people that was that open source uh, cloud native PG. And uh, I'm really, so I've been here, you know, a few times and it's always nice to be part of this community, but, uh, you know, I'm very happy that uh, tonight Leonardo is with us because Leonardo is actually one of the, you know, people that have created this amazing piece of software. So I leave, 
you know, leave it to you, Leo, if you want to add something else from what you said before. Yeah, I'm one of the first, um, let's say, developers of Cognitive PG. And this is a great honor for me, and it's awesome. And yeah, I think it's a, a really interesting technology and that at least our point of view of uh, how Postgres should be deployed in Kubernetes is really interesting. And yeah, just a few words, but I think the best, the, the best way to, to appreciate that is just testing the software we are releasing. And, and try, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Thanks. So I'll, basically, I'll I'll go over, you know, with some slides first, and then Leo will provide a, a demo of the software. So what we're talking about here is, you know, Kubernetes, and have the if you've got the insane idea to run Postgres in Kubernetes, not on Kubernetes. I mean, I I think it's different. You know, it's you know, there's a one letter difference, but in my opinion, that's what makes the difference. And uh, uh, so you know Postgres, yeah, and uh, and then uh, manage Postgres in Kubernetes with CloudNetAPG, which is our operator uh, that we, we will be talking about uh, tonight. Okay. So and the, the interesting thing is to create an ecosystem where these three technologies can uh, work well together. So that's the, the, the ambition that we have, is that we want to bring Postgres in Kubernetes and we also want to bring Kubernetes in Postgres because we are active, we want to be active members in both communities. Of course, we know better the Postgres one, and, but we are trying to understand better also thanks to the data on Kubernetes community, the Kubernetes one. So we want to, uh, you know, uh, generate the opportunity to, to improve how these technologies, these two technologies work together and these two communities can learn from each other. So I want to thank first, you know, EDB, you know, which is a, a, a company, but it's also the, the, the company that has been uh, using this software for already in production for over a year and a half. And uh, I'm really happy that uh, the management agreed on uh, releasing open source this software and not only releasing open source, but also donating the IP to the community. So basically what, what's, happen what's happening is that the, the idea is, to, is that the CNCF will, own, will end up owning uh, uh, this software. Okay, so EDB, just so that you know, is probably the largest contributor to the Postgres, uh, Postgres uh, project, okay? The Postgres open source project. We also have, you know, a, a fork uh, the, of, of Postgres and some uh, proprietary tools, but we should never forget that, you know, we, we also heavily contribute to the open source software, uh, to the open source Postgres. And uh, when it comes to Kubernetes, we are uh, certified service providers. So we are a KCSP, and we are also planning on sponsors of the data on Kubernetes community that, you know, we really, we believe that it's strategic uh, for the cultural change that we are um, 
we are facing, you know? Because, um, I mean, the opinion is still that, uh, and even, you know, yesterday on LinkedIn, you know, but, you know, asked me to intervene. Uh, we still see, you know, this common opinion that data shouldn't run in Kubernetes and especially databases, for example. Um, so if you want to know my point of view, there's this uh, blog article that went through the CNCF channels um, that is yeah, a, a month old. And I explained the reasons why it is important. And I mean, the benefits of running Postgres inside Kubernetes alongside applications. Anyway, we're talking about Cloud Native PG project. Uh, first of all, we have to think about the Cloud Native PG organization, which is basically the, uh, the, the, the set of people that have contributed so far to, to this project, okay? There's no single organization, single vendors that own the software, but it's this uh, community that is built upon some uh, principles and values and some governance policies that you know, I'll show you uh, later on in this presentation. But the organization at the moment is responsible for three major projects. Uh, one is the, of course, the operator, that's the main project. And here is the URL, the Cloud Native PG operator. Then another important project is the um, one that builds regularly on a daily cadence, the operand images for Postgres and, uh, and the Helm chart project. The software is released under Apache uh, to license with uh, no, uh, IP owned by the Cloud Native PG contributors. So what I was saying before is that we, we and Bart was actually saying that initially is that we have applied for the CNCF sandbox in, uh, at the end of April. So, okay, our, our commitment is to try and get, you know, all the way down uh, as a graduation, graduated project. Of course, uh, there's only, uh, you know, uh, it doesn't, it's not entirely dependent on us, we, but you know, at least we've got the commitment and we want to, you know, uh, make it happen. Okay, so we will follow uh, what uh, the, the CNCF suggests us to do and we are welcoming, uh, of course, multiple vendors to join um, EDB in, 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 this, in this effort. It is the first Postgres uh, in Kubernetes project that is attempting uh, this. When we talk about Postgres, uh, I want to remember that it, we're talking about an open source project that is, uh, you know, very robust. You know, it's probably one of the most successful open source project uh, projects in human history. And uh, one amazing thing is that it's it's been consistent in in its growth for over the last twenty years. Okay, if you look at how it was twenty years ago and how it is now. Uh, you can see, you know, you know, the, the increase of the enhancements in features and, and, and capabilities that have been introduced over time. Here is my favorite list of, of, of features, of course, I mean, one is standard SQL, which have I highlighted, I have I highlighted, you know, I'll show you in the next slide why. Transactional DDL, DLL, uh, DDL, sorry, then, um, 
continuous backup, point in time recovery. These are all enterprise level uh, features that make Postgres a database suitable for business critical and mission critical scenarios. Native streaming replication, which is very robust and it also supports synchronous. And that's one of the reasons why our operator uh, is using the application level. So in, when I talk about application, I mean Postgres replication for uh, disaster recovery instead of storage level replication. That's because uh, PostgreSQL replication is very advanced, very robust. Okay, it's been in production for you know, 15 years. Okay, so we're talking about a very mature technology that can even be controlled at a transaction level. Okay, so for example, if one transaction, I'm talking about uh, an ICID transaction, it, it's important. I can request Postgres to uh, um, make it synchronous. So make sure that it's written, for example, on two uh, um, instances. So for example, in Kubernetes, in one availability zone and in another before the control is returned to the, to the user. Can I, can I ask you a question really quickly? Yeah. Um, this is actually a question for me, which is not common normally it's from the audience, is that it came up uh, two weeks ago after KubeCon, I was at another event and I am not interested in pointing fingers and I don't want to start a fight or a war over this, but someone was talking about how with, if you're using Postgres, that getting additional technologies for backup and restore simply aren't necessary because of PG dump. I don't want to cause controversy, but what's your take on that? Okay, I mean, it's, it's funny because in a few weeks, it will be 10 years since we have released uh, Barman open source. Barman is backup and recovery manager for Postgres. And it's a software that, uh, which I'm one of the creators, is one of the top three backup solutions for Postgres. And uh, the reason why we created uh, Barman is because at the time there was no, I mean, PG dump and PG restore, because they mm -hmm. take snapshots, they don't cover you uh, from, uh, I mean, they don't enable you to perform point in time recovery. So if you take a backup once a day at 9 a.m. and you've got a failure at 8.30 a.m. the following day, you have lost 23 hours and 30 Oof, minutes yeah, of data. That's not good. Whereas with uh, continuous backup, you can uh, take advantage of point in time recovery and uh, rebuild the cluster up to, for example, the second before the incident. And that's a, you know, a feature that made Postgres very appealable for, for um, you know, large businesses. And that's what made the fortune of, I mean, yeah, the fortune of Postgres in the probably mid 2000, when pretty much all startups, uh, you know, started, started to use Postgres. Got it. Okay. Because it was very robust. Okay. So, I mean, because we are, I would say that we are experts in these, in these areas. We use I, I would of, too, if you created Barman, I would yeah. consider you an expert. But also, you know, I have, I, you know, we should never forget our colleagues uh, that have actually written these technologies inside Postgres itself. Okay. It. Because I mean, we are just, uh, yeah, I'd say imposters of, you know, you know, we're talking about these features, but you know, I've, yeah, I've contributed only to a few patches in Postgres, you know, but I've, I've pretty much worked around Postgres, but we should never forget all the 
core developers of Postgres that that are doing an amazing job. Okay, and I'm I'm I feel lucky to that many of them are within EDB in our company. Okay, so anyway, I mean this is just a few. Yeah, these are just a few a few features. I mean, declarative partitioning. Uh, also, JSON support is really is is really you know another uh, important feature for developers because with SQL now we can we can uh, query and uh, and uh, manage data that is both structured and unstructured using SQL in 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 an SQL database. PostgreSQL, I mean, supports this primary standby architecture. So it means that uh, there's only one active uh, database that is writing um, uh, at any time. And we've got one, of zero or more uh, uh, replicas that are uh, useful for high availability, but they can also be used for read-only read -only queries. So this is what I was referring before when I highlighted standard SQL, I think one also of the, of the goals of, of this project is uh, that, and I was talking to Bart about this, you know, in Valencia, we feel that SQL is probably one of the most underrated uh, languages that we have, okay? We think that it's an old language, that it's useless, but it's actually very, very powerful and robust and, and it's standard, okay? It's a very, it's an amazing uh, language, in my opinion, for manipulating any sort of data. And it's, it's optimized for concurrent access and also controlled access. If you don't want, for example, some people to read uh, some data and it's all there, okay? And maybe, you know, just by looking at it in a superficial way, we actually uh, underestimate <clears throat> the power of SQL and how it can actually simplify the work that you do as a programmer, because instead of, you know, doing the calculations uh, on your on your side, you can actually ask with a single query. The database to perform those those uh, calculations in a, in actually in an actually more efficient way because data is used directly in the database server, so it doesn't have to you know uh, get to your server first and then you calculate that and then you return the value. And uh, PostgreSQL is, is a very uh, nice uh, uh, technology to learn SQL. So, you know, in my opinion, with this, with this software, with CloudNative PG, because the complexity of deploying a Postgres instance cluster is uh, hidden from you now, you can actually focus on, on learning SQL directly in Kubernetes. So if you are new to IT, you are a student or you, are, you, you just started your development career, I think this could be a, an, an interesting way to grow on a professional le uh, level and to uh, become more efficient at, at developing applications. So I think we've got some ideas with Bart as well here. So stay tuned, you know, in the next weeks or months on, on, on this topic. Most definitely. So uh, briefly, you know, when we talk about Cloud Native PG, we're not talking about a, a, a project started, you know, two months ago. Uh, I was uh, in back, you know, at the time I was uh, um, head of support at Second Quadrant 
which was acquired, as you can see, in September 2020 by ADB. And I was leading the, I was asked to lead the, the cloud native uh, initiative at that time. And uh, uh, we wrote in September, you know, we, that's when we began writing our own operator from scratch after we actually evaluated the existing um, uh, technologies from, we tried to use a Kubernetes administrator approach because for example, Leonardo was one of the people involved. He was a CKA, Kubernetes administrator. And also <clears throat> he had studied how to build operators. And we came to the decision of pretty much starting a new project that wasn't using an external tool like, for example, Patroni for failover management. And we wanted to actually use the Kubernetes API server for that purpose and program uh, how failover was handled. So um, failover is when, for example, the primary uh, goes down and we need to automatically intervene, react, and, and for example, promote the most advanced replica as, as the new primary, okay? Excuse me. Yeah. So this is the approach that Leonardo was referring to before when he said that we took a different approach. That's, that's a different approach. And we became KCSP and uh, we launched uh, in one year and a half ago, Cloud Native PostgreSQL. That's how the software was called at EDB. And uh, in February, we decided to open source it, and, but we launched it in uh, April and submitted to the CNCM uh, sandbox. And in May, I was, I was uh, very happy to present the project to the technical advisory group of storage in, in, uh, in the CNCF. I was asked, you know, at KubeCon, why are you contributing cloud native to, CN to CNCF? I mean, when I was studying leadership, I studied this concept called wicked problems. Okay, wicked problems, they are problems that are maybe, they are too complex to, that require, you know, a different, maybe multiple angle. I mean, some actions from multiple angles and careful um, experience exploratory kind of uh, mindset okay, to, to address them. So the problem was that in our opinion, uh, the database adoption was, was, you know, is still lagging in Kubernetes and vice versa. So even the Kubernetes adoption in the PostgreSQL or database uh, sector. And we, we believe that, you know, a single vendor, you know, cannot solve this problem and that a holistic approach is required. For example, even the involvement in the data on Kubernetes community is very important because it's a cultural change that we need to um, trigger and that requires time. That requires, you know, a lot of meetups like these. It requires people talking, it requires everyone going through this change journey by themselves to understand why this is important and where the benefit for them is. Okay, if there's no benefit, we shouldn't just change technologies. You know, we need to be focused on the goals. These are always means. Okay, it could be that one day Kubernetes is not the answer anymore because there's the new Kubernetes technology, and it's the this kind of mindset that we need to have so that we are always ready to change. Okay. So we believe that. Uh, it is important to uh, try several things and, and uh, 
So for us, uh, uh, the, the, the thing that made more sense was to, uh, you know, lay the foundation. I wouldn't say start because start, you know, we cannot force people to join, but I think what we've done is to lay the foundation of a vendor neutral and openly governed community. If you look at all the documents <clears throat> that we have published and that they're all based and inspired by the CNCF uh, policies and, and, uh, and, and principles, as, as, as I said before, I think you, you can see that it's truly, you know, um, that, that that's our intention, okay. So the idea is that uh, this way, multiple companies, multiple users can join join us and, and promote Postgres in the Kubernetes uh, ecosystem. At the same time, when, when there's more people that will be using Postgres in Kubernetes, we can also provide feedback to the Postgres community and improve Postgres so that uh, uh, the container uh, context is, is, a, is a first class citizen. Okay, not a second class citizen like, you know, probably, you know, we are used to now with VMs or bare metal installations that are um, still dominant in the database um, um, world. Okay, so this is, this is pretty much the reason. So <clears throat> uh, I would like to share, you know, this is the homepage of the project so, th so that everyone can start, you know, becoming familiar with, with Cloud Native PG. So this is cloudnaticpg.io is the, is the uh, website. And from there, you can find a link to the documentation, to the blog. You can find the link to the GitHub project as well, which is this one. So it's cloudnaticpg slash cloudnaticpg. The project, when we open sourced it, it was uh, made up of more than 1400 commits, okay? So you can actually see the whole history of, of Cloud Native PG since the, since the start. So as I said, this is not a project that was born, you know, <clears throat> three weeks, you know, a month ago or so. This is another important project. You know, the operator needs the operands, okay, to run, okay? So the operator controls uh, the operand images. For us, the operand images are the Postgres images, the, the images that contain Postgres. The approach that, that we took is to enable everyone to customize the images, adding, for example, extensions that they want. You know, Postgres has several extensions, is an extensible uh, uh, database engine, so you can add your extensions to the layers of, of the images. This is an example of, of an operand image, uh, the way we build it, okay? We use the Docker Hub official images for Postgres as, as a base image. And then on top of that, we, are, we add some layers. In particular, we add uh, PG Audit, the PG Audit library and Barman Cloud, which is used uh, for backup and recovery to object stores, okay? The last one is that we use the UID uh, 26 to run Postgres because we are, we are using an application container uh, paradigm where Postgres doesn't run as root, okay, or the container doesn't run as root, we run it as, as a Postgres user. There's also a section for uh, the frequently asked questions, so if you want, you know, you can go there and, uh, you know, get some answers. Um, 
And then this is the documentation of, of Cloud Native PG. Uh, for example, one way to contribute is if you want to, to help and improve the documentation because it's, a, it's built like a, you know, a scar tissue. So basically, you know, we started to, once uh, we added features, we, we started to, you know, add sections, but at, at the, at, I think at this point, it's, it's quite large that it requires probably stepping back and, and, and rewriting. So uh, I think to understand uh, what cloud native Postgres is, is, I mean, the best way is with an example. We follow convention of a configuration and we follow declarative configuration. So uh, with just a YAML manifest, you are able to create a cluster. So in this case, for example, we specify uh, Postgres 14.3 as the, as the version that we want to install, which is the latest one. We create a cluster with this API, okay? The cluster is the resource, the CRD that the operator, uh, one of the CRDs that the operator manages, and that's the main one. We create a cluster called MyAppDB with three instances, meaning there's one primary and two replicas. And each of these instances has a volume using the default storage class of 10 gigabytes. So this is, this is what happens, okay, under the hood. Um, PostgreSQL creates, sorry, the operator creates one pod, uh, one pod for uh, the blue one, okay, for DB, for DB, for the first instance of the database, one pod for the second and one pod for the third, each one with a local persistent volume, uh, you know, and the persistent volume claim. <clears throat> then it generates also additional resources like secrets, config maps, roles, role bindings, service accounts, and so on. And also two services. There's actually a third one, but you know, I'll focus on the primary, which is the RW and the, and the uh, read-only um, service. So every time for the applications, if they point to the uh, RW, service, they're always redirected to the primary. That's what the operator does. And these are the standbys uh, that are using streaming uh, replication to be uh, you know, continuously synchronized. And then we've got the PVCs where the PG data, the Postgres data directory is stored. I don't know, uh, Leo, if you want to cover some of these topics, that's fine with me, you know, because I always talk about these, but, uh, you know, but given that you are, you know, you know. I can just share a few words about it, but yeah. If you want to contribute. Okay. Uh, the main point of the operator when it comes to managing a cluster is to ensure that the primary which is the instance on which you can execute read and read write queries is always available. So the operator will take care of it and will choose the right action to take. To do that, it needs a way to check if everything is running correctly or not. And we are just using Kubernetes for that. So this is the role of the probes. We have liveness probes, we have readiness probes, and readiness probes are the ones that are used to check if the primary is correct or not, it's fine or not. When the primary is not working anymore, 
we fail over, uh, we select a new replica and we promote it to become the new primary. And when the user change the specification of the cluster, we are going to create a new replica or just to delete one. So it can scale up, scale down. When uh, we promote another replica and, and the old primary after that is recovered, the primary will be reattached to the cluster and will be basically resynchronized. This is under the hood using a, a, a program which is called Kajira Wind inside Postgres. Besides uh, being able to handle automatic failovers, we can also manage, we can also execute plan switchovers. And uh, everything uh, I was talking about is being used to apply rolling update and to be able to scale up and scale down an existing cluster. Yeah, thanks. So this is, for example, what's happening when uh, there's, a, there's a failover. I mean, this is the failover. So there's a problem on the pod. And uh, so the readiness probe uh, fails and uh, the operator detects that. And what's happening here is that it promotes the second, uh, on second instance, redirects automatically the service. And then when the, the first instance comes back, it, it makes it follow the new primary and then adds it to the, to the, to the read-only service. So uh, in terms of storage management, storage, well, you know, we've been working with databases for so long and we know that storage is the most critical, critical component, okay? <clears throat> and we follow that approach also when we design the operator. And uh, for us, the central, uh, piece for the for a cluster is is it it's it, it's the actual PG data. So for us, uh, the PVC that stores uh, the PG data is the most important component that actually uh, dictates the, the the whole orchestration of a, of a Postgres cluster. Okay, that's what uh, it's all built around that concept. The good thing is that cloud native PG is pretty much agnostic. Uh, to storage, so you can use uh, any storage you want, local storage or network storage based on your needs. Uh, and you need to accept the consequences in, in, in each direction. So if you've got network storage, you need to accept that there's variability of performance. If you choose local storage, you've got more predictability, probably more performance, but maybe more maintenance uh, burden. Okay, but I think it's your choice. That's, that's a good thing. We support persistent volume claims and, uh, and we support PVC templates and also storage classes if you want to um, define the, the storage. <clears throat> but you know, there's much more, as we said before, there's rolling updates, there's uh, pod security policy support, TLS connections, authentication out of the box, with also integration with cert manager if you need to continuous backup and point in time recovery to the point that you've got, you can configure uh, your cluster to, to back up to an object store and have less than five minutes of RPO recovery point objective out of the box. We comply with Kubernetes resource management and pod scheduling policies. 
Uh, we have a native Prometheus exporter. We directly export in JSON log in standard output. We have an extensive number of end-to-end -end tests that you can actually inspect in, in GitHub. We have multiple bootstrapping methods and you'll see one uh, uh, shortly. So it means that, for example, you can create a new cluster starting from an existing one or from a backup, from a continuous backup. It supports synchronous replication and the replica cluster, which is the feature that I'm describing now. <clears throat> so uh, suppose you've got one cluster in a Kubernetes cluster in Europe. And uh, this cluster has a primary and two standbys and it archives to a local object store in, a, let's say, in a, in, in a public cloud. Then you've got another Kubernetes cluster in, in the US. We, we call the primary, which is not a primary, a designated primary. We use a symmetric architecture, so it's pretty much the same. This is a different cluster that is using cascading replication, which is available in Postgres to uh, collect data from, uh, from the object store. So basically you can use the yellow uh, arrow here to uh, um, create and also feed continuously uh, the designated primary, which then uses stream replication to uh, update the standbys. So with just this setup, so without um, uh, any active connection between the two data centers, you already have um, a disaster recovery solution that is aligned at in the worst case scenario to, uh, to five minutes ago, okay? This comes out of the box. And, uh, and if you want to, you can add, you know, a channel between the two, uh, the two clusters and introduce streaming replication within the two uh, clusters to reduce the RPO in a cross-region uh, uh, cross disaster recovery situation. So this feature is available. I want to, uh, you know, before we go with the demo of Leonardo, uh, you know, we are releasing, we are planning to release 116 on June 23. And the major feature is the, import of an existing database, Postgres database inside, inside uh, a cloud native PG managed database. So this is also another, so this is a use case. So if you've got an old Postgres version in a VM or in a bare metal or in another uh, uh, Kubernetes cluster, you can import that into cloud native PG just by using a, a network connection. And also, if you want to upgrade a version of Postgres, so for example, from 10 to 14, you can use this technology. Okay. We have well, introduced two types of, of imports. Yeah, sorry, quick. Bart. Uh, it's all good. Yeah, we got a question. Um, so the question is from Michael. Thank you for the question, Michael. What about Postgres configuration changes? Yeah, okay. That, that, that's managed by the operator. Okay. So the, there are some uh, some options that we don't allow users to change because they will break, uh, you know, the assumptions made by the operator, but they shouldn't matter. Uh, but pretty much all, all the options are can be configured. We also support um, changes uh, of uh, some options that are. Um, for example, they're required to be done in a certain order uh, when you have replicas. 
So for example, you need to change them before in a, in a standby or uh, in a primary, it depends. Some of them, you know, they, they have these requirements. So we also manage that. For example, the memory or, or the number of connections that you enable, they need to be done in a specific order. But essentially the operator detects if uh, the change requires a restart or not. And if it does, it, it, it starts a rolling update, which can be done in two ways, either via switchover or uh, via restart of the primary. So it's all configurable. Yeah, but thanks for the question. Good, thank you, Michael. Perfect. <coughs> Excuse me. So we, we have implemented these two types of input. One is called microservice and the other one is monolith. This is some terminology that might be it's subject to change and this is a terminology that we have invented so if you've got better names please go ahead so on the left we've got the source database which is a postgres 9.6 so i use 9.6 because it's not supported but it's pretty much any any postgres version in this case it's a monolith a postgres installation which is very typical in an instance you put several databases I often call it DBA approach. Okay. Um, and uh, the idea here is to uh, map each database into a, a one Cloud Native Postgres cluster with one database inside. So that's the microservice approach because the microservice database is owned by the microservice developers and the microservice team. Okay, so in this, in this uh, approach, each database is mapped to a different PostgreSQL cluster with one single database, okay? And if you want to know more, I think if you read the why run Postgres in Kubernetes article, you get the reason for this, okay? This is the monolith import instead, okay? We pretty much remap the same uh, scenario inside uh, Cloud Native PG. So you've got on the left a Postgres 9.6 database with several databases and you import all of them in the same instance. I'm not a big fan of this approach because of several reasons. Again, please read why run Postgres in Kubernetes, but it's primarily a resource management and also upgrade paths and, and also accountability and responsibility from developers, okay? I think this is more agile, each, each product is independent. And this is the YAML file that, uh, for example, imports the DB1 from 9.6 into a Postgres 14.3 cluster in, in Kubernetes. As you can see, there's a bootstrap section here with initdb, initdb is the default bootstrap method and it means create a new cluster from scratch. We use the import uh, section specifying that we want to import uh, using the microservice approach. And we want to import only the DB1 database from the external cluster called PG96, which is defined below. So below we specify how to connect to that uh, database using the Postgres user and to connect to the Postgres database as a jump database. And then we specify the secret uh, uh, that contains the password to access uh, uh, the Postgres database. 
this is the first implementation we would like to make you know make it possible to dump with uh, you know less uh, uh, with a less powerful user but i think this this already uh, uh, is fine anyway now it's time for for leonardo i can stop sharing the screen thank you gabriel so let me start sharing so this is a live demo from leonardo you know so <laughs> demo goes let's do it let's pray let's turn to the demo it's all good demos are what makes things exciting where we have that that spark where where things are happening sometimes for the first time i don't imagine the very first time <laughs> but uh we'll be patient and i'm sure it'll go well are you able to see my screen yes just making the font a bit, a bit bigger. Good, thank you. That's always nice. Good practice. Yeah. So, okay, let's start. First of all, I'm connecting now to a, a Kubernetes cluster created with KIND. KIND stands for Kubernetes in Docker. And as you can see, it's an empty cluster. It's being created 10 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, KIND is really good and if you want to play with a kubernetes cluster but you want to test something kind is great and so okay now i install cognitive pt and to do that we are just using the documentation this is the home page of cognitive pg and this is the latest version and then you can see we have a installation and upgrade section and you can install it just applying the manifest. There we go. We wait for the pod, for the operator pod to be ready. There we go. Fine. Everything is fine. So now we have Cognitive PG, and this is an example. This is really similar to what Gabriele was showing before. Uh, as you can see, there is just in this specification a number of instances, three, and the size of the storage. Uh, there is no image name, uh, so the operator will just use the latest one. And what's important here is the number of instances, three, and what happens? <clears throat> so as you can see, the operator is just creating the pods and downloading the images and everything but the point is still uh, usually three instances like here from a kubernetes administrator point of view that means i will have three pods at the end and this is exactly what the operator will be doing so this is what i was referring to as when we designed cognitive pg we were thinking about the kubernetes administrator and not thinking about as DBA. If we, we was thinking about as DBAs, that would mean we would have something like two replicas because the, you have a primary server, this is implicit. Instead here we have three instances. So I applied this simple definition, why the operator is working for me. I'd like to show you. Oh, I think this is better. Uh, 
So this is not simple at all, and this is how the operator implements a convention over configuration. And as you can see, the operator, meaning the webhook, has completed the definition for us and added every information which is needed to create a Postgres cluster for me. So here you see the NITDB method that Gabriele was talking about before, that means just create a new cluster, and you have something for monitoring, you have the configuration of synchronous replication, and you have a lot of Postgres parameters which are needed. Okay. Oh. Uh, so now we have the pods. And you have one primary and two replicas, three instances. But you also have services. I think this is better. So you have the read-write service, which is pointing to the primary, in this case, one. Then you have read-only, these are the replicas. Then you have any, any instance you can read, so everything. And any, that means any instance besides being ready or not, this is used many internally on the operator. But we also have secrets. And we have it, uh, a basic out secret for the super user, this is the Postgres user. We have a secret for an unprivileged user, which is the one that application should use against this database. Then we have uh, several TLS secrets that are needed because the uh, deployed Postgres cluster is using mutual TLS authentication for replication. So thinking about replication, let's see if it, if it works. And this is the second pod. This is a replica. So in the architecture of Postgres, you can't insert data here. Hey, replication is working. Let's test the third one. So everyone that ever deployed a Postgres cluster like this manually uh, can appreciate the complexity that is behind this work. But the main point to be taken here is that just with a simple definition, you can have a Postgres environment ready for your application to use. So this is really important. Uh, we have a kubectl plugin that is really nice to inspect the status of a cluster. Uh, you can install with, uh, with view. I should have it here. Ah, yeah. Uh, so this has more information about Postgres. 
and you can look here the replication status, what's happening under the hood, and everything. So I think uh, thinking about the question by Michael, if I remember correctly, about the configuration change, I think this is going to be fun. Uh, This is a declarative operator. So to apply a configuration change, I'm just changing the specification, let the operator orchestrate that for me. So let's try this. So for example, one option that is fixed and can be changed while Leonardo is changing the, the options is the log, log settings, for example. We require CSV log because we, on the fly, convert that into, into JSON and then push it to standard output as, as, as you know, any mm -hmm. other container I'm importing so, in, in uh, You can't change this. Okay, so I'm, I mean, this is too much for my lot. Okay, so applying this configuration change is going to need a restart of the Postgres instances. So the operator will just start from replicas. As you can see, this is the third replica being stopped and restart, that the replica is ready. The second one is being stopped and now is ready again. So as you can see here, this is magic happening. The second one is being promoted as a new primary. And then when the first one is demoted, it will be restarted. So now you have your configuration applied and your primary changed to the second one. This is a way to implement configuration changes. It's not the only way as Gabriele was talking about, you can also have the operator restart the primary. But yeah, this is an example of what a rolling up update is from a database point yeah. of view. Yeah, the way we have developed that, just to you know, reply again to Michael with additional information is that we have two strategies, one is called unsupervised and one is supervised. By default, it's unsupervised, meaning that uh, the operator, when it performs the, the rolling update, also <coughs> will immediately proceed with updating the, the primary, okay? And when it does that, it chooses one of the two available methods for updating. The default is the switchover. So it means that it switches the primary to the second one, to, the, to another node, or the restart. Okay, so restart means that it doesn't perform the switchover, simply mm -hmm. restart, restarts, uh, shuts down the pod, changes the, the image mm -hmm. if needed. For example, the container, if you want to update the, the underneath image mm -hmm. and restarts it. Okay, exactly. but of course, for Postgres configuration, you don't need to change the image. But mm -hmm. And anyway, there, again, this is convention over configuration. And there is no best one. It depends on the workload that you are hosting. So, yeah. Correct. I'm just changing um, this parameter here. This is not going to require a restart. And as you can see, nothing happens. So this is about configuration changes. Let's do something more, more fun. Uh, 
Uh, okay, so as you can see, uh, we have three instances and three PVCs. I didn't specify anything on the specification, so I just got new PVC using the default storage class, which is standard in kind. And so my primary, check. Well, yeah, it's still the second one. Uh, my primary is the second one, and let's see what happens if I just delete the primary. I'm going to do this. It's fine. I'm deleting the PVC too, so just deleting data. So what happens now? The first one has been promoted as a primary, as you can see. This is an automatic failover. And then the operator starting in the, I'd say, the normal activity, meaning reconciliating the specification with the status. The status is telling the operator that there is just two instances and the user specified three because we specified three. So the operator is going to create a new replica. And here it is. This is an example of a failover and is actually uh, a way that can be used to recover from a data corruption. And yeah. checking this. In, in this, can I ask another question? In this particular case, you know, like we've had uh, Alexander Kukushkin from Zalando talking about Petroni. How mm. does this? way of managing um, failover and Postgres compare to something like Petroni? Yeah, it, it's, it's just different. Petroni is a really great tool in my opinion. And Petroni has a, a different focus because it's going to manage different type of infrastructures. Here we have uh, support. We are vertical for Kubernetes. And basically what's happening is that the our pods are running just one process, which we call instance manager, and this is just the operator executable. And that is running as a child, the postmaster, and managing all, so everything is needed for, for a PID1, basically, to be a good citizen on Unix. Got it. Yeah, the postmaster is the Postgres server, is mm -hmm. the name of the process. All right. Yeah. Cool. So it's just different. And yeah. Oh, okay. So that, that was a failover. Let's play with something different. Uh, I want to do this. So this is really similar. Uh, I'm just, I just scaled up my cluster and required two more replicas. And the operator is doing that for me. Uh, obviously, as I can do this, I can also scale down. In that case, replicas are deleted. And uh, yes, think, thinking about automatic failover, I think this is interesting. The operator is going, obviously, to choose the most advanced replica. You can configure steam replication if you want here too. 
Uh, yeah, I think that's enough for a quick overview. And I hope, yeah, I, I'm just trying to, to share with you the taste that you have while working with Cloud Native PG. I think it's nice. Yeah, I think it is too, and, and, and the demo gods were very respectful. So good job. <laughs> yeah, we are trying to be good citizen in yeah. the Kubernetes community, and we are trying to focus of on what a Kubernetes user is expecting from us. Yeah, there's also I think uh, on the observability stuff. Maybe another time we'll focus on yeah. that. But we have an added Prometheus exporter, Prometheus exporter, and you can uh, customize. Mm -hmm. queries using config maps or or secrets mm -hmm. and, you know um, provide these metrics that's good because that's the thing is that you know this kind of came up a little bit in kubecon you know after every kubecon everyone wants to see like oh what's the trend what's coming next and this topic of, of you know we frequently find observability mentioning things like open telemetry if we're talking about sres yeah. and these kind of principles but this kind of a concept getting into the data space, I think you said it really well. I think we'll need more time to focus more on that. But is this something that you see as coming strong in 2022? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think we are also looking into also integration, also for tracing. So, but there's some known unknowns there, you know, even, you know, improving Postgres interaction with the, uh, you know, Kubernetes tracing tools that that's something, you know, what I was referring to before, now that we're trying to bring Postgres in Kubernetes and um, hopefully widen the adoption of Postgres, we can get, provide more feedback back to the, to the Postgres, you know, uh, developers and, and then bring Kubernetes to Postgres, which is also the other, the other step, you know. Got it. These are all really good, really good points. And I like how in, throughout all of this, you're really emphasizing the point of empathy that for some people that aren't accustomed to these environments and the concept of running Postgres in Kubernetes might be something a little bit uncomfortable for some people. As you mentioned as well, Gabriele, the, the things that we saw on, on LinkedIn recently are yeah. a reminder of the work that we're doing right now and the progress that we're making. So yesterday I talked about this with Alkin yesterday in his live stream about you know ClickHouse and that, and that we were seeing these comments. It's not surprising. What I will say though, is that having been in the community now for a year and a half and getting folks such as yourselves from, you know, from, from EDB that have lots of experience in Postgres and understand that running data in Kubernetes, Postgres in Kubernetes can work, is not going to you know, destroy your, your, your company in the process and actually provides lots of benefits. Um, I do feel like we're in a, in a much better position now in terms of our knowledge and experience. So it's good to see oh, that. Totally, yeah, yeah. totally. So this is the last slide. I mean, and then I'll share the, the slides uh, uh, with everyone. And so you'll find the links there. But, you know, join us. There's this Slack channel. You know, try the software. And uh, anything that you see there can always be improved. So, you know, anyway. So this is, there's also the bi-weekly developer meetings. That's, they are open to anyone. So. And we try, as I said, we're trying to follow the example that the CNCF is setting. You know, so, and I would say so far doing a great job. Easy people to talk to, very friendly. Always interested in talking about these ideas. 
plenty of experience in the Postgres world. Gabriele, early when you said 20 years experience, sometimes people, that's a, a big source of pride. And other times it's like, oh God, I really have been doing this for a long time. Um, the older we get, the more that happens. And it's totally okay. But it's it was so cool to see you know this project coming about in the last couple of months, really seeing it get a lot of momentum and interest um, in the talk that you gave, Gabriele, in, uh, in Valencia. As, all, as well as the, the whole EDB team that was there. And we're gonna be connecting with them actually at the end of this month in London. Um, we'll be with, uh, with Vinny Grack um, and looking forward to that, um, to be hearing you know, about his perspective. So, so yeah, that being said, I'm looking forward to the, the next conversations with data observability. I think that's gonna be a very hot topic. I imagine we'll be getting a, a panel set up around that. And, and as usual, very easy to interact with these folks on Slack. So if you have any questions or doubts, feel free to do so. Gabriele, can I get you to stop sharing your screen really quickly so I can share yep. mine? Yep, good. As Thank is you. tradition, folks, in our 134th live stream, it's amazing to be able to say that out loud. Um, we have our amazing artist, Angel, who's in the background, doing all this cool stuff. And he, he'll he probably tweet it later, but he's got his Cloud Native PG sticker on his, on his iPad as well, too. So he's down for the cause. Uh, it's a good sticker. It's nice. And anyway, so we get a, a nice visual summary of the concepts that were covered. It was great to see a demo that had no problems. That was good. I'm, I, I don't want to say it's uncommon, but uh, particularly with how quickly we got things together, that was that was pretty impressive, Leo. So well done there. Um, thank you both very much for your time today. We'll be sharing this drawing in, in social media so people can take a closer look at it and looking forward to the next conversations. All right. Same here. Thank you, Bart. Thank Always a pleasure. Well take done, care. Leo. Thank you.